Hey there, welcome to the Clay in the Stage podcast. How are you? Are you enjoying the summer if you're in my neck of the woods? If not, are you enjoying winter on the other neck of the woods? <laughs> or would that be like the ankle of the woods? I'm not sure. Um, I'm Angela Lucier. I am your host. I'm also a professional speaker, author, and CEO and founder of The Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. And if you listened to episode 50 and 51, you probably heard all about The Speaker Sisterhood, and you got to hear speeches from some of the members and interview with them and learn more about where we're going with that super cool and special initiative. And today, I have this amazing episode for you with Colleen Hinesley, who is a creative soul on the path to creating a life that helps her to embrace her gifts and what makes her her. This episode was so much fun to record. I fell in love with Colleen by the end of the episode, and we are basically going to get together and like... I don't even know what we're going to do when we see each other in person, <laughs> but you'll find out more about that at the end of the episode. Um, so if you're someone who feels trapped in the place where you work or feels like you can't really let your s true self shine through on stage or through your writing, you're going to love today's episode because Colleen talks about how to use your strangeness, your weirdness, your uniqueness to your advantage and how she used it to move through corporate America and now into her own business. And I won't, I won't give anything else away, but just know that Colleen is so full of life, so so giving in her stories and her <laughs> her experiences that I think you will get something that will help you on your journey as well. So without further ado, my interview with Colleen Hinesley. Colleen Hinesley writes and tells stories in New York City. She has been featured on podcasts such as Risk, The Side Passion Project, and Elizabeth Gilbert's Magic Lessons. After more than 20 years as an advertising executive, Colleen has recently left the corporate world behind to focus on her creative life. You can find more about her stories and new consulting practice at ColleenHinesley.com or follow her on Facebook and Instagram at Colleen Hinesley. Colleen, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, this is great. Um, we were introduced through Kathy McNally from the Speaker Sisterhood when she met you at an Elizabeth Gilbert event and said you were amazing and you were someone I had <laughs> to have on the show, which I totally agreed with when you and I had a phone call and I thought, wow, what a cool story you have. And, <laughs> and when we were talking about how what we wanted to talk about here today, I thought we need to tell the story of your path as a creative soul. Because I run into so many speakers and business owners who say, I had to break out of corporate America I felt like I was going to die in there or like yeah. my, my soul was actually dying a slow death every single day <laughs> and we're going to you know, my first job I used to call it the place where dreams go to die yeah I can, I can relate to that so <laughs> I thought we should talk about your story as the emerging creative being you are and how you're going to take that creativity into your speaking business, into your consulting business, into your storytelling and beyond, and how you can use that creativity kind of at, to your advantage versus trying to hold back in fear of what other people might think. So let's back way up and talk about where your career started and why you picked that path. You know, it was a total accident. Um, and this is, it's a funny thing because I talk to a lot of people, especially people who are around, um, who are from my generation around my age, because, 
you know, as a woman coming out of college, I was one of the first people in my family who went to college and graduated from college. There weren't these really well-defined career paths. There were a few, but there weren't that many. So when I first moved to New York City, you know, I kind of always had these survival jobs. And I actually took a job um, kind of almost by accident in an advertising agency. I had I had been working for... Um, a big pharmaceutical company as an administrative assistant, which I was wholly unsuited for that job. I was the worst administrative assistant who ever existed. And I, I have such <laughs> respect now for women and men who do it now. And I think, oh, that's why I was terrible at it. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I see. <laughs> I totally, I get that too. I was like, I'm not a detail person. Please don't make me manage details. Yeah. And, and I, I was also just, I didn't fit in there at all. It was a very buttoned up corporate environment. And I was a total weirdo. I mean, this was the nineties. I, I dyed my hair purple. I wore fake glasses to work, even though I wore, I wear glasses in real life. I didn't wear my real glasses. I wore fake glasses. Why? I just, I just thought it was cool. I don't know. I was in my twenties. I thought it was cool. Did you ever get and, yelled uh, at for that though, for like going against dress code or anything like that? I got a few side eyes. I never got yelled at, but uh, I think they thought I was some sort of zoo animal. In the back. <laughs> you know, one time, yeah, well, go ahead. <laughs> one time I wore black shorts to work and they were, they looked like dress pants, but they were just short, like to my knee. And one, my boss came over to me and said, now are those lined or... And I said, why does that matter? And she said, well, if they're lined, then they're appropriate. But if they're not lined, then you can't wear those to work. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, the arbitrary rules of the corporate world. It's so crazy. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's so funny because I, I think in a weird way that the fact that they let me continue working there because I was it, it, I was such a weirdo. And and uh, and I think I purposely did that because I didn't I was sort of miserable working there. It wasn't my wasn't my jam. Um but I was young and I needed to have a job and I needed to show up every day and do the job. But I, I would darn well wear like a weird punk rock t-shirt and you know, like silly stuff. And, but I think in a weird way, the reason that they let me stay there was because even then those people kind of saw that there was something about me that was good. And mm. I may not have seen it myself at that time, but they saw it. And I make revise this story to be talk about what a weirdo I was, but I, I did the job. I mean, I was, I showed up every day and I was responsible and did the job, but I started to meet these people who, um, the advertising people would come in to meet with my bosses and they would always laugh at me. They'd be like, what are you up to today? Like, what are you doing? Out here? Like, what's happening? And I'd be like, uh. you know, this was like when the internet was new and I was like looking at Monica Lewinsky on the internet, like it just was, I was, you know, not productive. And, um, so, but they, they also said, you know, you seem really smart and capable and just got a little unfocused. Maybe you might want to come and consider working in advertising because there are more people like you there than here. And that was my first leap into the, into the business. I went in and I, I saw, oh, my God, people are wearing jeans. This is amazing. <laughs> Those are my people. <laughs> I, I found my tribe. <laughs> <laughs> so how did your career progress from there? And what have you been doing up until now? So from there, I, you know, I worked my way up the ladder because I finally found a place where I felt like at least I fit in. At least I wasn't the total weirdo, which was good. And it was kind of creatively adjacent, which I liked because an advertising agency, there are a lot of really creative people there. And, you know, the end result um, sometimes is really awesome and you see it on TV and it's great. And sometimes it's just promotional stuff that people don't necessarily want to tell their family about, like over dinner, like excited about it. But it's creative. It's a it's good stuff. So. Um, I, I ended up joining a company 
where I ended up staying the majority of my career. And at that time, it was essentially a startup. So it was really strange and wild. And it felt like a big family. And mm. I really loved it. I, and I, and uh, I fit in so well there. And I experienced this tremendous like decade of growth. Like the middle decade that I was there really is with the, my biggest growth decade. And I, I was able to live overseas twice for the job. I was moved um, to Tokyo and to London for um, assignments. And that completely, you know, that's a whole, that's a book right there. It's a, it's a, it blew my mind open. Yeah. Um, yeah. I traveled through Asia and Europe. I met an astronaut once. I was like, who is an astronaut? <laughs> so great, you know? Yeah. Um, and I actually, it was the first time I started to, I started a blog is back when blogs were new. Hmm. I'm dating myself a little bit, but I started a blog and that was the first time that I really committed myself to like a creative project. And I really, it sort, sort of started giving me the bug a little bit. Um, but over the time, like, so more recently, you know, I really went through a lot of personal development, leadership development, and I, and I ultimately became an executive in the company, uh, a managing director of one of the agencies, which really, um, you know, gave me so much opportunity to not just work on on advertising projects, but also work with people a lot more, like really develop my, my people skills and my leadership skills, my mentorship skills. Mm. And, uh, which was, was, is really the biggest gift that that, that, that job has given me. Mm. Uh, but ultimately I, it was like, uh, this real life that I was building, right? Like it was like, it's like I, I, every time I wanted to do like a creative project, I'd be like, Oh, my real life's getting in the way. I can't, can't really do that. And I can't really get to that. I can't really get to like keeping up with the blog because my real life is getting in the way. And I, I had this realization that my real life was so consuming. It took up so much of my time, my energy, my mind space, but it wasn't really satisfying, you know, on that deeper level. So I knew that I wanted to write and tell stories, but I didn't have any idea how to get started or, or really know that I even had the confidence to do it. So, until recently. Okay, so was there a moment or a catalyst that helped you to change your mind about doing your creative work on the side and instead making it your full-time focus? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because life will throw you a lot of curveballs, right? And I, I was going through a lot of those circle of life things that I had people in my, in my, both my parents passed away, I was, I turned 40, you know, all this stuff was going on. Um, but the real thing that happened was I, I had an accident about a year and a half ago that, um, that left me with a fractured vertebrae. Um, a, a, so as I like to call it a slight case of massive anxiety and seven or eight weeks at home thinking about nothing but my life. So during that time period, <laughs> I had nothing to do but think. <laughs> I had no work to do. Was that a good thing or how did that go down? <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, in, it was a good, it was actually a great thing. It was really, it was a, it was a super, um, uh, it was actually a huge opportunity because mm -hmm. in the, in it, these opportunities, they come and they, they, they're in disguises sometimes. And I've never had seven weeks off in a row in my life. I mean, who, who, who does that? Yeah. Know, except for, I have friends who go on maternity leave, but they're not off. They <laughs> yeah. It's not really a vacation. Right? <laughs> a vacation. And, and for me, too, it wasn't a vacation. I was healing from a, a relatively significant injury. But, you know, that's a lot of laying around. That's what mm -hmm. that is. It's a lot yeah. of like, oh, Netflix. <laughs> um, so what I had done was I really, I had promised myself that I would not go down the Netflix hole. Nothing against Netflix. I love Netflix. But I was really, I had this, this image of myself that I didn't want to manifest, which was, me just laying on a chair watching like 9,000 seasons of Game of Thrones. And yeah. I just said, no, I can't. Yeah. I can't. 
I can't do that. Um, and so I, I was doing all this like personal development stuff. I was taking this Brene Brown course online and I was trying to be productive. And a friend of mine, my best friend texted me and said, her text just said, Liz Gilbert needs to talk to you. <laughs> and it had a link. <laughs> I was like, what? what? That's a great <laughs> eat, text. You mean, you mean the eat, pray, love lady? What? Why did she <laughs> talk to me? <laughs> and, and there was a link to an application for her big, for her magic lessons podcast. And uh, I don't know if you know, it, magic lessons is a podcast that Elizabeth Gilbert has. That's in, um, it kind of, it goes in conjunction with her book, Big Magic, which if, if you haven't read it or if your listeners haven't read it, I highly recommend it. It's an amazing, amazing book about living creatively through fear, which is you know, like a prescription that I needed at that point. Maybe we all do. <laughs> I might need a little bit of that. Yeah, which is great. And um, she, she, the podcast is, is a thing where she coaches people who want to live a creative life in some way, but are feeling stuck or afraid or whatever. So I, you know, I applied, I filled out the application and I got chosen to be on the show, which is, wow. you know, in blowing in of itself. <laughs> <laughs> and what was that moment like? Were you like, oh, I don't actually want to do this. Sorry. Or were you? <laughs> I was like, oh, I have a cold. I don't know. I, yeah. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't do it. I'm too sick. Uh, no, I felt, actually, it was interesting. I, um, the, the day that I got the notice, notice that I was picked, I was at work. And, um, I am not a crier, especially at work. And I just started crying at work, wow. like happily crying, but which I was like, what's happening. What's coming out of my face. There's water. <laughs> <laughs> Someone get me a towel. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was great. And, um, so I ended up, I ended up being a part of her program. And, um, I should say that during our sessions together, I kept referencing this thing that I said earlier about my real life, my real life getting in the way. And she finally called me out on it. And she said, I have to say, why do you keep calling this other thing, this thing that you don't want to do, this thing that you're saying, why do I get out of bed every day? Why do you call that your real life? Why is that more real than your writing and your creativity and your relationships and and you, why is that other thing the real thing? And the other stuff is the fake stuff. Isn't it the inverse? And I just thought, oh, right. <laughs> I know that way. <laughs> that was a huge yeah. moment. <laughs> it was like that one piece of advice really immediately changed my perspective. Immediately. It had an immediate impact on me because I, I would be at work. And something would happen that would normally send me down the rabbit hole, you know, just get me all, t you know, hooked into this crazy. Th and, I, and then I just would stop and say, wait a minute, none of that's not really real. I mean, it's happening. Yeah, that 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 person just said that, or that client did this, or this happened in the business. But it doesn't matter. It's okay. That's not really my real life. I have a whole other fantastic, beautiful life that I'm building, and that little thing is just a little part of it. It's not real. Wow. I don't have to worry. About and I couldn't believe how simple it was and how mind-bending it was. So was there something you had to do in order to take her advice and apply it to your life? Or was it just as easy as hearing it and then recognizing the, the switch? I wish it were that easy, yeah. <laughs> it, it has to, in a way, though, in a way, it, it is weirdly that easy in terms of that. Once you experience a shift like that in your thinking, 
and in your understanding and in your beliefs. Those are, are, are monumental, right? And those really, really mean something. But they happen and you can easily backslide and get caught up in your life. So what I, what I started doing was I started applying that belief and that thinking and that allowed me the space, the mind space, to start carving out the time that I thought I didn't have to start focusing on my real life. Mm-hmm. So I started fo- carving out time to write. I started carving out time to go to open mics for storytelling. Once I was doing that, I started meeting people in the community and getting invited to be in our shows and started you know, just kind of carving out that space to let me to listen to, to really absorb content that was not just related to my executive life job, but related to my creative life. So instead of, you know, wasting my time on the internet, looking at like pharmaceutical stock prices, I started, <laughs> you know, reading fiction again, you know, I started kind of feeding that creative part of my life. And, and I started realizing that we all have that same 24 hours in a day. Yeah, we have to just use. It yeah, I have a question, a logistical question about that. Because like you said, like, we all kind of we have this thing with time, like, I don't have enough time, I can't get to that. Oh, I, that's gonna have to wait. But was it as easy as saying like, okay, this two hour block on Thursday will be used for writing and you just put it in your calendar? Or did you have to shuffle all kinds of things around and kind of like, you know, say no to a bunch of things? Because I think sometimes it can be easy if we're just planning ahead and we're making space for it versus like every day getting stuck in the commitments we made and realize not realizing that we have control over that. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it is, it's, it's, it's like everything. It's like that one, the, the one thing that you do, like scheduling the two hours is huge. Protecting the two hours is the fit is the fight yes. is the thing. Protecting. So it's, and I still struggle with it because it, I, I've been programmed for the last 20 plus years to, I'm like Pavlov. Oh, I have an email. Somebody texted me. Oh, is there a Facebook? It's we're completely programmed and it takes time to do counter programming. It takes time to retrain ourselves. And that is the thing that can be very discouraging. It was very discouraging for me sometimes because I would find a week would go by, for example, in the last couple of years. And I would be like, oh, God, I was so busy at work that I didn't even, you know, like I didn't do any. And then I thought, okay, don't beat yourself up. It's okay. It was just a week get back to it. Like just like you have to forgive yourself a little bit and realize that you are trying to retrain yourself in all new skills Mm -hmm. that are in some ways completely counter to the things that you've been training yourself to do for the last 20 years or in my case for the last 20 years. Yeah. I almost pictured you when you were saying you really have to protect that time, like a a lion with a den and you're like crowding over your baby lions, uh, the cubs, because you have to be so fiercely protective of them. You do. (laughs) That's almost like how, how fierce you have to be when you protect your time. You do. And and also it helps you, it helped me anyway. It helped me really ask myself questions about, um, the things I was, I was getting involved with, uh, and not just at work, by the way, I, I noticed that I was saying yes to a lot of things that in my, even in my, in my non-work life that I didn't necessarily want to do or have a, a big interest in. Um, or maybe I was interested, but like peripherally, it was kind of like, yeah, that seems like a fun thing to do. I'll just go and I'll spend several nights a week doing that or whatever. And, and that's fine if you love it. If, if, some, and for, if I was in love with doing that thing, then great. But then there was this realization. I was like, okay, something has to give. Yeah. I really can't do all of these things every single day and, and get to where I want to be in my, in my life so that I can ultimately live this more creative life. You know, mm-hmm. like I had to kind of, but I had to go kind of go through a lot of like 
trial and error a little bit. You know, I, I it was almost like, you know, signing up for every club, you know, at school and then realizing, OK, well, I can't be in 16 clubs. I have to just pick one. Yeah. <laughs> not, that, not that I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> so you left your job on Friday, right? Mm-hmm. That was your last day. And now you're in day two of your new life. Yeah. <laughs> and I know it's still early on to ask this question. And I love that you just jumped in. And you're like, yeah, we could do the podcast two days into the <laughs> new thing. <laughs> I have plenty of time. I yeah. have time. <laughs> um, what does your new life look like? Or what's the vision for it? Uh, yes, yeah, so I've been laughing because actually my sister called me this morning at like 745. And she said, oh, are you busy? I said, no, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> That must have felt amazing to say. (laughs) Normally by 745, I was like, I have so so much to do. I can't can't talk to you right now. Yeah, right. (laughs) You're running down the street, like drinking a coffee, talking on the phone, tying your shoe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so, so in all seriousness, uh, it is sort of like a vacation right now, day two. But the vision that I have that I I believe um, I can make happen is that – I'm, I'm creating a schedule that works for me. I'm creating a schedule of, you know, it's not like I'm going to be like, okay, for the next six months, I'm going to write for 12 hours a day. No, I'm not going to do that. That's not going to work for me. I have to have a life. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, we, should, we always had that thing that if only I could be spirited away to some summer camp in the Catskills where I could just write every day and somebody brings me my meals and that, well, that's not going to happen. So, I mean, that happens for some people, I guess, but not really. Yeah, not so, really I like think... on day two of business ownership. Exactly. You're like, oh, <laughs> care, thank God. When is someone going to offer me that place I can go, that, that sanctuary? <laughs> yeah. I've been waiting for two days. Um, <laughs> so it, it really is about setting up a schedule. So for me, what I've been trying to do, even in the last like five or six weeks since I was leaving my old job, I started to think ahead to, okay, how am I going to spend this time that I'm taking off? Um and how much of that time am I going to allow myself to just take a break and really unplug, which is, is definitely part of my plan. And then how much of that time am I already thinking about my, my consulting business and setting up my, my life so that I can make sure that I'm protecting my creative life as well. So it's about um, having enough flexibility in my schedule to do both, but also realizing that there's no – where there's not flexibility. Like the mandatory is – I have creative time every single day. I have something that I do every single day that advances me toward my creative goals. And if it's not there, then I'm not doing myself a service. So I look at my, you know, so I'm trying to plan out my, my, you know, I've never been a real super planner, like calendar addicted person, but at least I'm saying, okay, every single morning. So I just want to digress for one second. What I do every single morning is I get up and I, I'm, I do this, this, uh, this meditation program called the practice. Um, and I, part of it is it's a goal setting. If there's a goal setting and there's meditation and I really have, have loved it because I love meditation. I think it's fantastic. And I found a lot of benefits out of it. But one of the things that has really driven me forward in the last few months is I, I worked on, you know, my, I did a goal setting exercise and every single morning I write my goals down three times. I literally sit down in a notebook every single morning as part of my meditation practice and I write, so for, for example, I wrote by August 15th, 2017, I will be done with my corporate job and I will be running my own consulting business, period. Every, and I wrote that three times and I've been writing. It was, and now, of course, I'm like, oh, I'm done, I'm done with my corporate job. I did half the goal. So I'm, I'm like, <laughs> so, and I'm almost there. And, I, and, I, and, I, and actually, I really am fully there because I already have, um, 
a, a project lined up starting August 15th, by the way, which is a total universe coincidence. But having that kind of that something like that, it doesn't have to be that specific thing, but something where where we literally think about our goals every single day. If you're thinking about your goals every single day, you have no choice but to achieve them. Hmm. They're going to be, and you have no choice to, to choose to do things that get you to achieve them because you can't be like, Oh, a week went by and I hadn't, I never thought about that goal for a whole week. I love that. Or two weeks, yeah. a month. Yep. So you're focused on creativity each day, setting goals, meditating, what skills or core talents do you want to play with or embrace as you start your new gig? You know, some of the things that, um, that I really want to make sure that I balance out. Um, I, am a very social person. I'm a very collaborative person. So I have a little bit of, of worry about working alone so much mm. because, you know, I, it's, it's, that, that's a really new thing for me because I've, I've been, I, I come from a huge family. I'm one of six kids and my whole career has been in very collaborative environments. So that's an area where I'm already starting to think about um, strategies to make sure that like, I do have enough alone time to do my work, but I also have enough socialization to, so that I don't start to d devolve into like, uh, I think I can probably devolve pretty quickly into like either feeling sorry for myself or feeling a little depressed and feeling like, why did I do this? Yeah, sitting in the corner, looking around at your plants, <laughs> like, oh, wow. Yeah. This, is, this isn't what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, but I do believe, though, that, that acknowledging that and, and understanding that fear a little bit ahead of time is already helping me because I'm already thinking about it. I'm thinking, you know what, that's not going to happen to me because I'm, I'm already I'm wired to be a social animal. So I'm going to you know, reach out and I'm going to have human connection. And, I mean, and, and the consulting business that I have is all about people anyway. So that's, um, that is going to, it's going to be there, but it, it was helpful for me to really think about, okay, how am I going to, what do I think, what, what are the pitfalls of me going off on my own aside from the, the, the typical logical, you know, setting up a new business is scary and all that stuff. But I think that all of that is stuff that, you know, you yourself, you wrote a great book about that, like how to do it. And like, <laughs> like here are the, here's the way to do it. Great. I'll <laughs> yeah, do that. Exactly. <laughs> <All> that <laughs> yeah. Okay, someone's already mapped out those steps. Yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned your consulting business. Can you tell us um, who you're trying to help and the focus of your work? Yeah, absolutely. My uh, So in, in my consulting work, um, I'm very actually, one of the great things about this is that I'm very open and curious about different kinds of consulting work that I'll be doing. So my initial thinking when I was leaving my, my, uh, my corporate job was I could do more of the same. I could work with clients who were like that, which is fantastic. And um, But the other thing, that I really want to do is start tapping into the things that made me successful in my corporate career for such a long time. And I, and I will say I, I had a successful career and I left it really well as well. I left it successfully. So I feel like I've learned a lot and I really want to pass that information and knowledge on to other people. And, um, and part of that, the thing that really is nice in terms of what I'm trying to achieve here is that my creative life, my writing and my storytelling and my consulting business, although they may seem like they're two separate things. They actually are very well connected because we have the same basic goals. You know, when we share our stories with people, we contribute to the universal experience. Mm -hmm. You know, we, everyone's experiences really at the end of the day are so similar. And it's so, it's so helpful to hear that someone else has experienced what you're experiencing and how they got through it or how they thrived through it. 
it really makes us all feel like a community. So how are you connecting those two pieces? Because I, I totally agree, but I'm fascinated by the, the work you're doing to, to show that. Uh, a big part of it is that I'm working on putting together some content around, yeah, like, okay, how, how for example, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, example, like, how, how did I become this crazy weirdo who dyed her hair purple and wore fake glasses to becoming an, an, literally like an executive vice president, managing director of a big advertising agency? Like, those two things don't seem to compute. But you know what? That's my whole story. <laughs> it's like that's part of, that's part of you know my career my life that's part of yours that's part of this other person's and sharing those stories like so the, so for me storytelling is the connective tissue that holds the consulting business and my creative life together that's awesome can you can you tell us some a story or two about how you got through your corporate gig as a creative person and not only survived it but you thrived and made it into this this high level leadership position yeah, yeah. So I, the first thing I'll just you know, say it again, you have to embrace what makes you different. I don't know if you if you watch the Tony Awards on Sunday night um, in New York. No, um, there was I was watching it and there was this great quote the, the the young man who won the Tony for his performance in a musical this year. There's a musical called Dear Evan Hansen and this guy Ben Platt. When he won the award, he made this really wonderful speech. And the last thing he said was, don't waste any time trying to be like anybody but yourself because the things that make you strange are the things that make you powerful. Oh, wow. I and love that. that. Yeah. That hit me right in the heart because I said, yes, that's what it took me the last 20 some years to figure out. Like the things that made me strange ultimately are the things that made me powerful. Those, those are the things that allowed me my growth trajectory wow. because I, I wasn't like everybody else. And I was, I had to learn to be okay with not being like everybody else. And I had to learn to, to realize that that, that was a strength because there were times when I would go into my corporate job and maybe I wouldn't, you know, say the right thing or, but I was myself and I was authentic. I was me. And people started to recognize that and say, Oh, cause I'm a little bit weird too. I'm, I'm a little bit weird, but nobody knows it. Yeah. She's weird. <laughs> oh my gosh that quote the things that make you strange are the things that make you powerful makes me want to make this the last episode of my podcast so we can end on that note <laughs> like, that is the grand finale <laughs> i don't know how it could get better than that I'm... i mean this guy's like 23 years old i was like oh god bless you figured it out so or it took me i'm 46 so i'm just figuring it out but yeah <laughs> But but in some way that was what you were doing all along was was using that to your advantage. It was. I mean, there were there were times when, believe me, and you can imagine me kind of as I told you my my weirdness. I, people tried to, to 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 iron it out of me many times. And once a very well-meaning manager got signed me up for coaching, and part of the coaching was like a makeover. And it was such a dismal failure. I mean, she tried to put me in like a shoulder padded blazer with pearls and oh, bangs and haircut and coral lipstick. And I just wasn't me. I, I, it was like I shook it off like it was like a weird costume. And my crazy big hair came back out. And my... <laughs> I feel nauseous right now just about that like I I wish that the podcast was visual so you could see my face right now because that is just like the most most like just appalling like saddest thing I've ever heard <laughs> I know. but I will say in their def in in their defense if, if there can be a defense <laughs> what that experience gave me was I didn't the makeover didn't take 
I'll tell you that. However, it did help me understand that the image that I project is, I, I have a control over that. Mm-hmm. And I don't ha- I can use it as a weapon or I can use it as a tool. Yeah. And as my, as I evolved and my style evolved and my look evolved and my whatever, I was able to be like, oh, okay, yeah, it's not appropriate to wear the punk rock t-shirt to work. I'm not going to do that anymore. That's yeah. okay. But I'm okay with that. <laughs> but I'm okay. I got there on my own. Thanks. I didn't <laughs> right. need the makeup. <laughs> yeah. One time I was working at a radio station after college and I used to interview a lot of interns and um, event staff and I would wear the craziest clothes. And at that time I had this Boy Scout t-shirt and I wore that when I was interviewing an intern who was actually returning to school. So he was in his thirties and I was in my early twenties and he looks at me and he goes, you're interviewing me. And I was like, yeah, why? (laughs) I got really defensive. I'm like, why? Because I'm young. He's like, I don't know. You're wearing a Boy Scout (laughs) t-shirt. I was like, oh, I mean, I get (laughs) there's a time and place for it. it. (laughs) Yeah, there's something to it. So you kind of figure it out as you go. (laughs) You do figure it out as you go. Yeah. But, but, you know, and and the other thing is, is that it, it really leads well into the next thing that I wanted to say is that it's okay not to know. Yeah. Right. We're not born knowing everything. And it's really okay to admit frequently if, if needed, that you don't know the answers to everything. And what I found when I started, when I embraced that, because I did go through a phase where I would not speak. If I didn't know what was going on, I kept my mouth shut and I figured I'll ask somebody later or I'll figure it out on my own because I was afraid to let people know that I didn't know all the nuances of advertising or whatever the hell I was doing. And, you know, how, why would I know? What's, what, why, why is there an expectation that we all know everything? Yeah. And once I started embracing that and saying, you know what, I really don't know the answer to that. Let me think about it. Let me try to figure it out. Let me go back and ask some other people who might know. But I don't know. People started responding well to that. Like, oh, okay, great. You don't know, but you're going to find out. You're not going to lie to me and tell me that you know. Hmm. And, yeah. You know what I mean? It's a and nice it way to trust. build trust. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, you know, the I think the perception is it makes you look stupid because you don't know what you're doing, but everyone around you is going, oh, wow, that person is being honest and they're going to do the work and get back to us. And it is a really nice relationship building technique. Exactly, um, exactly. And also good for your credibility because you're not just saying anything and not really backing it up. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Because if, you, if you're a person who constantly, oh, yeah, 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 I, get, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. After, because at some point, they're going to figure out that you don't know. Yeah. And they're going to be like, well, she doesn't know anything. And, and then, but here's the thing. It's like, no one knows anything. Nobody <laughs> knows anything. So, but you don't want to be the person. Like, you have to just all admit it and say, we're not sure. We're all just figuring this out. You know, like, <laughs> I have clients who are like, I don't know how Facebook works. And I'm like, no one knows how. Don't worry about it. We'll all figure it out. Like, it's okay. You don't have to worry. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's <laughs> so reassuring. It's new. You know? yeah. yeah. No one knows what they're doing. Let's just call it what it is. <laughs> Exactly. And I think that that's the thing. And it's what you said. It's a great way to build relationships because the, 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 the other thing that I really have come to, it's really, maybe it should have been the first thing I said was relationships are everything. Really. I can't, I mean, at least in, in any of the industries that I've ever touched and worked with, relationships are the literally the most important thing that you can possibly focus your time on because, you know, everyone's in business to make, to make money and, you know, and, and, when you're trying to focus on revenue, you know, people, oh, I have to make the numbers. I have a forecast. I have this. I make my sales goals. I have to do this. Here's the thing. That revenue is not going to come without the relationships. And it's so interesting how quickly we can lose sight of the importance of relationships when we're trying to focus on making money. But honestly, those relationships are the things that 
you know, when things start going wrong, when things start going haywire, sometimes the fact that you have strong relationships, it writes the ship, yeah. you know? And yeah. then once, the sh once, once you're back on course, the money starts coming back in. Yeah. And, and I can't, I can't stress it enough. And, and, and that's really important, not only with clients, but also with colleagues and coworkers. Um, and also your, your friends and family, because it's so easy to lose contact with your friends and family when you get so far up into your business that you can look around and suddenly it's someone's birthday again. And you're like, oh, I think I talked to you on your last birthday. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> so we all do. Colleen, let's say someone listening right now is interested, is, is sort of stuck or working in corporate America and is looking for a way out because they're a creative soul and they want to be storytellers or speakers and they're, they're looking for a way out. But what advice would you give them? I would say the very first thing is to, is to get your thinking in order because I know that I had the same thing. I felt stuck and I kept saying, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. We're not stuck. No one is stuck. You know, you're there, you're in, you're where you are, but you are not stuck. And once you start to, to rewire your thinking, then you can take action to move forward. You can't move forward if you're stuck, right? So when you believe that you're stuck, you are stuck. So you have, that's the first thing. Um, and I think that that seems very, you know, it, maybe it might seem a little bit like soft science, but it's really true. Like you have to rewire your brain. Um, but then the other thing is that the practical side of not being stuck is you can do both. You know, if you are in a corporate job and you want to do something else, like you want to be a speaker or a writer or a storyteller or whatever it is, you actually can do both of those things. It just takes a little bit of planning and time and commitment and all of those things that we talked about a little earlier, but you can certainly do both. And therefore, again, you're not stuck. Mm -hmm. And then if you feel like you want to, to do what I did, which is ultimately leave that corporate world behind, that's great too. You can do that. But it, it, very few of us, in fact, I would say none of us are doing it overnight. You know, you're not going to say I'm stuck. Therefore I'm quitting my job tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, right. you know, maybe if I won the lottery, like there was a big Powerball drawing this weekend and I, I didn't win, but, um, so I'm still working. I'm still, you know, we're still, we're still on this path where I have to actually make money. Yeah. So <laughs> create to retire to the island. Yeah. <laughs> so creating a bridge where you're doing a, a little bit on the side is a good way to transition. Exactly. All right. Let's jump into the lightning round. We have five quick questions with Colleen. Question number one, what's the number one piece of advice you have for women who want to be well-known speakers? Don't wait until you think you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> you're not ever going to be ready. We're never ready. No one's ever ready. Uh, and also, I think women specifically, we tend to want to be 100% prepared for everything. Yeah. And there's been some science that says that men actually don't feel that way. Men are like, yeah, I have like two, I have two out of the 10 qualifications to start. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so just start. start. Number two, do you have a personal operating philosophy? And if so, what is it? Uh, yes. I always say I'm in for a penny, in for a pound. So basically, I like to I like to be all in on things. When I'm offered the chance to try something new, I have figured out that you have to go for it. You can't kind of, you can't be in halfway. Like otherwise, you can't be like, you can't halfway do karaoke in front of 25 Japanese businessmen. You got to just do it. Yeah. Got to be in. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to go. 
疲れちゃうわ。Number three, what advice would you give to your 25 year old self? Oh, that poor kid.、Um, first of all, stop wearing fake glasses. <laughs> Just wear the real ones.、Um, but also, I, I would actually say no one knows what they're doing. So it's normal that you don't either.、Um, write every day. Be kind to people, even when being snarky might get you a laugh.、Yeah. Um, ask your dad more questions. Listen to your mom's advice. Accept about the dieting. Stop dieting because diets don't. <laughs> <laughs> And number four, what advice do you have for your 75 year old self? Oh, God, keep moving, <laughs> keep laughing, keep learning. And stop yelling at little kids to get off your lawn. <laughs> I can totally see myself doing that. <laughs> well, you've got a lot of time to, to start practicing a different. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And number five, if you had to pick one object to represent yourself, what would you pick? Yeah, this was such a tough one for me to think about. But in the end, I landed on I have this mug、um, in my apartment. And it, it's, it's an old promotional mug from my parents' restaurant from the 70s. And、um, it. I picked it because it's got a story behind it and it makes me feel connected to my family. Whenever I see it, whenever I lay my, lay my eyes on it, I always think of my family and it reminds me of the things that I want to do in my life. But really, also because it's a mug and it's the job of a mug to be filled. And that's what I want to do. I want to fill、mm-hmm. myself and I want to fill other people. Oh, I love that.、Uh, lastly, what does it mean to you to claim the stage?、Uh, you know, it's so interesting. I think you've talked about this before. And Liz Gilbert certainly,、um, certainly has talked about it. There's this thing called the arrogance of belonging. I don't know if you've ever heard this. No. But、um, it's really interesting.、Um, and Liz Gilbert actually devotes a whole chapter to it in Big Magic. It's this idea that without an understanding that we are allowed to exist and without a sense of creative entitlement, we wouldn't ever be able to take risks.、Mm. So. Claiming the stage to me means not only having the right to exist, like especially as women, a lot of times we, we sometimes forget that we have the right to exist. We have the right to breathe. But we also have the right to take risks with our, our space, our voices, our bodies, and to show all of those things to the world in whatever form that we want. There's no one who is telling us what to do. We own it. Yes. Colleen, is there anything you'd like to share with my audience about your business or anything you're working on? Um, yeah, so stay tuned.、Um, I'm working on、um, my, my big project that I'm working on creatively is I'm working on a solo show,、um, a, a, a one woman show about my life growing up in that Irish bar.、Um, so I'll definitely be, be talking about that a lot over the next couple of months. And then in terms of my consulting business,、um, you can find more on my website. That's my ever evolving website, by the way. Probably it's going to look different every time you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's ColleenHinesley.com. And your last name is H I N D S L E Y. That's right. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Colleen, I'm pretty sure you're my spirit animal, and I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Like, it's just been <laughs> such a blast talking to you. I feel like if I knew you in my early 20s, we would get into a lot of trouble. We would have had it. So, we would have been arrested at least twice, for sure, Angela. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I guess my last question is do you like wearing matching outfits? <laughs>、um, yes. Okay. I was pretty sure you were going to say yes. Of course. Okay, so if we ever meet, we're gonna, we're gonna wear matching outfits. Also, wigs, lots of glitter. I love I wigs. Have, I, have, I have a whole closet of these things. I can, I can, so I can do、share. I. <laughs> <laughs> Let's compare closets sometime. <laughs>
All right, we're we're making this happen. By the way, we're going to make this happen. Uh, definitely, definitely. I think we had to put aside a whole weekend in a photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been a blast, and we'll have to do it again. <laughs> oh, thank you, Angela. I loved it. Thank you so much. How fun was that? Did you laugh with us? I hope you laughed at least once. I, I was trying not to laugh throughout the whole thing. Even though there were parts that were serious, I still felt like giggling because I just really enjoyed Colleen's energy and her her goofiness and her playfulness. She's just really great. And I wish her all the best with her new endeavor. I hope you do check out her website, get on her mailing list, follow her on, so- on social media, see where she goes with her beautiful gifts. So... If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, (laughs) please leave a rating and review on iTunes. It takes a couple seconds and it really helps more people find the show. And if you haven't signed up for my newsletter yet, you might want to do that over at AngelaLucier.us. All right, guys, that does it for me. You know the drill. As always, stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.